You're listening to a podcast from Oasis Church Bath. To find out more about us, visit our website at www.oasisbath.org. I was reminded uh, recently of a, uh, an incident that happened um, a few years ago now um, when I was in France and uh, I'd gone, uh, sort of it was a, a family trip to France and uh, ended up just wandering around the shops uh, on my own. And I don't know if you've ever had uh, one of those experiences where you walk into a shop and just kind of immediately think, this isn't the kind of shop that I should be in because there's probably an extra naught on uh, every price tag to what I could afford to pay. And um, everybody looks really intimidating. And it, it was that kind of shop. And I walked in and immediately just wanted to kind of run out again. Um, but just thought, right, okay, I'm just going to play it cool because I didn't want to look as if I shouldn't be there. I wanted to look like I was, I was normally in these kind of shops all the time and I felt completely relaxed and at my ease. And it was one of these shops that sold perfumes and a few clothes and it was one of these where every garment was, had its own space, you know, um, and the sort of perfume was all in really posh things. And I remembered that recently I'd read this article that said that when you are trying perfume you should spray it a little in front of you and then walk through it really elegantly. So I, th- I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look as if, or try and look as if I know what I'm doing. So I got this perfume, and I was, I was already I was thinking, right, spray it here, you walk. And uh, I sprayed it, and unfortunately, um, the thing was pointing in the wrong direction. It sprayed me right in the face. And I, I just ended up coughing and choking, and I literally fled uh, from the shop with my eyes uh, streaming And the shop assistants um, must have thought I'd completely lost the plot. Um, But it it really struck me when I got outside how absolutely ridiculous it was to be trying to impress people that I'd never seen before, that I would never see again, whose opinion didn't have any uh, input into my life. And yet my immediate response on entering that particular place was to try and be somebody who fitted, who looked the part, and who kind of blended seamlessly uh, into my surroundings. And when we talk about self-awareness, I think it, it can be quite problematic because it kind of touches the heart and the depth of who we are as people. Our perceptions of ourselves, how we see ourselves, Um, who we want to be and how we want to be seen, those are all really quite personal things. And I just today want to kind of uh, reflect on um, just a few things that might be helpful for us as we think about uh, knowing ourselves better, understanding ourselves, and by understanding ourselves, actually being able to see ourselves more as God sees us and accept ourselves as God accepts us. Throughout history, uh, Christian history, uh, writers and theologians and mystics and all kinds of people have seen self-awareness as a pathway to understanding more of God. And I suppose that, that would be my experience um, through my own Christian life, that understanding myself, understanding how I tick, understanding my own vulnerabilities, weaknesses, failings, has inevitably 
made me understand more of God's grace and has led me to often kicking and screaming, I think, uh, to see God in new ways and fresh ways um, because I've recognized my need of God but also see myself perhaps a little bit more through God's eyes. So I just want to, I suppose it's ask a few questions or uh, paint a few pictures really of things that might be helpful for us when we think about uh, self-awareness. And I want to do that through the lens of the life of David, King David um, from the Old Testament, um, who I think sort of encapsulates something of what it means to follow God um, in the difficult times, in the positive times, whose inner life we glimpse perhaps more than any other biblical character because of the Psalms that he wrote and the prayers that we see him pray. And uh, I really like David because he's not perfect and he messes up and gets it wrong. Um, And he goes through um, all possible um, emotions and situations and doesn't always respond uh, wonderfully well, which makes him really human. And uh, I wanted to start with uh, just reading a few words from Psalm 139, which I'm guessing, I do need my glasses for this, I'm guessing will be familiar to a lot of us. So a Psalm of David... Psalm 139. O Lord, you have searched me, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. I'm going to verse 13. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. We'll come back to Psalm 139, but I wanted to read it sort of near the beginning because, in a sense, it kind of forms a foundation for everything else that we're looking at. Um, We hear in the psalm of God's incredible and unceasing knowledge of us, that nothing that we do is hidden from God, that even before we were born, God saw us, made us, crafted us, made us each unique and incredibly special. And I think that's important because when we talk about self-awareness, we can often get into this kind of self-help thinking where we think actually self-awareness is always about trying to improve myself. And um, there's so much of that around, um, particularly I think around New Year. You know, you can, you can improve yourself in any way you like. You know, you can have 10 top tips for keeping fit or losing weight or um, being mindful or calming yourself down or clearing away the clutter, which um, I think both Joe and my husband Paul would be really grateful if Sarah and I would do a little bit more of. Um, but the, but there's, the, there's all sorts of these different ways that we're told, you know, 
this will help us to get our lives sorted out. Um, but what this psalm does is it kind of puts uh, self-awareness and that whole sense of who we're becoming in the clear context of our life in God, that we're created by God and for God, that God knows us and that God accepts us. And when we talk about personal change, which I think when we talk about self-awareness, we inevitably end up thinking about change, it, it's in that context of God's love that I think we need to keep it firmly set. Because otherwise, change becomes this thing that we try and do in our own strength, that's a pressure and a weight, and which brings all kinds of guilt and shame and stuff with it if we're not careful. Whereas when I look at the ways that God works in scripture, and I think we see that particularly in the life of David, there's an incredible tenderness and gentleness. That's not to say things aren't tough and that we sometimes don't hit you know, really, really difficult times and really tough challenges. But there's a tenderness and a gentleness in the way that God works with us and in us which I think sometimes we need to remember. And I think particularly when we're thinking about others who, who we maybe struggle with or have difficulties with, and we can see the areas in which it would be really nice if they changed, remembering that tenderness and gentleness of God, I think is really helpful. The first thing that I wanted to uh, think about was the idea of embracing complexity when it comes to both being human, but also thinking about self-awareness. It would be lovely to think that, or maybe it wouldn't be lovely to think that actually we're, we're quite simple people. I think in some ways we are, but in other ways we're incredibly complex. Each of us carries with us huge um, amounts of history and influences and things which have molded and shaped us, whether that's from our family of origin or the things that we've experienced um, as we've gone through life. And um, as we look at the life of David, we see um, all the way through how his, his life and his experiences shape the person that he becomes. Um, sometimes that's in very positive ways, other times that is in quite negative ways. But his, his life and his work and all that he does is, is shaped and influenced. We get glimpses of that. So, for example, you may remember um, when he faces Goliath um, and he, he sort of ends up in this situation completely by accident. He's brought the picnic for his brothers and he ends up um, hearing about this, um, this giant uh, soldier guy who is uh, basically uh, condemning God's people and threatening and... Um, being really disrespectful towards God. And David offers to go and uh, basically sort him out. Um, you know, I'm guessing David would have looked really weak and weedy at the time. And instead of the, this sort of armor that he's offered, uh, David chooses to go with his, um, his shepherd's sling and takes uh, five small stones. And he uses the tools that he would have used to keep the lion and the bear away from the sheep. His, his upbringing and his training actually serve him in that really unexpected situation. And for all of us, our upbringing, the different 
parts of ourselves that we may be aware of or we may not be aware of. Uh, I think a complex uh, series of layers, and I think the Russian dolls image is a really helpful one. And it may be that people only see the exterior of who we are, but actually we are many layered, and we have all sorts of different facets. And the things that go to make up who we are can um, be really uh, deeply seated and deeply held. And I found this particularly when I was studying that I, I found myself coming up against real barriers because of some of my um, desire to please other people and particularly some of the things that I'd learned when I was um, sort of growing up, the messages that had been given to me. And the way I kind of thought about that was um, through the idea of papier-mâché. So um, I'm, I'm a little bit of a, a doer. I like to reflect by doing. So I actually wrote down all the things that people had said to me when I was growing up that kind of pressured or constrained me. There was quite a lot of them, actually, when I wrote them down. And those are actually on, on this uh, figure I'm holding um, in my hand. It's one of these uh, art figures uh, that moves around. And I wrote those down and, and stuck them on. And then I, I, cut, I cut up um, various bits of, of Bible that had been used, um, verses and scriptures that people had perhaps misused to kind of um, keep me uh, in my place at various times, um, mostly unsuccessfully. <laughs> um, and I, I stuck those on as well. And it took me quite a while, but it was actually a really helpful experience, just thinking through um, what had gone into me becoming the kind of Christian that I was. And I just want to um, read you a kind of reflection um, that came out of that process. I am a papier-mâché person, formed of so many layers, childhood constructs, influences, information, things spoken and written, heard and read across the years. These have molded me and shaped me, powerful and passing things, remnants of my past, layer on layer, influence on influence, pasted in place, held fast. I'm covered in these words, these snippets, opinions, judgments, overlapped and overlaid, things which have nourished and nurtured, succored and sustained me, comforted me when I was afraid. When did they cease to serve me well? How did they come to form this coating, this veneer, this hard, protective shell? Because now I want to bend and stretch and flex and flow, I find myself constrained, respectful, careful, fearful, held in place by all the many things that should have brought me freedom. And this too solid shell becomes a place to hide that traps so much of all I am inside. My experience is that some of the things that are really helpful for us, if we're not careful, actually become things which can hold us fast and tight and constrain us. Um, I've noticed as I get older, um, I become more and more a creature of habit. 
um, that certain things become more and more important to me. Um, Paul and I have got rituals when we wake up in the morning. He makes the first cup of tea because I like to write um, before I get up. So uh, I write um, for a little bit. He makes the first cup of tea. Then I make the second cup of tea. And then there's a kind of pattern uh, to the day, rituals and habits. And our lives can become this kind of series of habits, this complex web, if you like, of habits. And part of being self-aware is actually to notice our habits, to notice the things that hold us, that constrain us, the things that are precious to us that we might not even be aware of. So, you know, I'm guessing if I woke up tomorrow morning and Paul said, okay, you make the tea. I think I would have a, a little bit, you know, a part of me would go, yeah, of course I'll make the tea. But part of me would feel quite indignant because that's his job. That's what he does. <laughs> There's no reason at all why he should make the tea. He does it because he's really lovely, which is great. But actually sort of threatening that habit, that pattern, that ritual, I would probably find quite frustrating and part of me would be quite indignant. So... I think one of the ways that we can become more self-aware is just to spot those things that constrain us, those habits, those different layers of who we are. Thinking about our family and, and how we grew up and the sort of messages that were communicated to us. And for some of, those, some of us, sorry, that might be quite a difficult thing to do. So it's not necessarily something to kind of, you know, go to do sort of just off the cuff. You know, if, if you've had a really painful time, then doing that with somebody else or prayerfully or just step by step is quite important. But learning about ourselves through that complexity, I think, can be really helpful. And seeing God as part of all that process is helpful too. The second thing... Um, and I know you've looked at this already, is, is the idea of listening to our emotions. And may have said this already, I'm not going to dwell on this for long, but I, I just feel so um, strongly when we're talking about self-awareness that our emotions can be real signposts to us um, on the path towards self-awareness. Um, the things that we feel angry about or sad about or fearful of can actually point us in the direction of understanding ourselves so much better. And I love the Psalms for this. I think David's writing of the Psalms just shows so much of his journey with God, not just of the wonderful times when he's praising God and saying how wonderful everything is, but the times when he's crying out to God, where he doesn't understand what's going on, where life feels unfair, where it, he's angry with God, where he's, he's questioning everything he sees around him and all his experiences. And I believe that that kind of writing in Scripture gives us not only permission but encouragement to ask the difficult questions and to actually be honest about our emotions before God, to allow ourselves to express what we really think and feel, not just so it all spills out, um, you know, unhelpfully, but actually to find those places to be really honest and particularly in prayer, particularly with God to be honest about how we're thinking and feeling. I used to find it really difficult to get angry. Um, I was brought up in a family where people weren't angry, you didn't do anger really. And um, 
I, I was quite scared of anger. If people were having a kind of robust conversation um, in my in my sort of uh, surroundings, I, I would feel like my heart would go, and I'd feel really anxious. And if somebody spoke really harshly to me or got angry with me, I'd feel incredibly threatened. Um, because anger wasn't something really that had figured, um, or if it had figured, it had been a really negative experience. And what I realized, um, I had an experience when I was about uh, eight, nine, it must be nine or ten years old. My parents split up, and uh, a girl um, nearby was saying some really horrible things about my mum. And uh, I went for her, literally. Pfft, I sort of just went, fortunately there were other people around and they, they pulled me off. But I, I went for this girl, I sort of physically, um, I was going to say attacked, I can't even remember what I did, but I just kind of pounced, um, not in a good way. And um, I was pulled off, but after that I was really scared of anger because I thought, oh, you know, I could have done some real damage and I was really shocked by my own reaction. And what I found for years and years, right up until probably my... Um, late 20s, early 30s, was that whenever I felt angry, rather than being angry, I'd kind of push it down, and I'd get emotional instead. I'd get weepy and, and tearful. And it took me a long time to realise that actually those tears were anger. Um, that actually, I wasn't upset, I was angry. What somebody had done hadn't upset me, in inverted commas, it had made me angry. And actually learning to recognise my own emotions and be honest about them uh, was a really helpful part of growing um, to be more self-aware. And that kind of ties into uh, my next area, which is about um, welcoming our shadow or those parts of us that perhaps we don't feel as comfortable with. We all have strengths and weaknesses, and some of us will find it quite um, easy to list all the things we're not so good at and quite difficult to name our strengths. So I think it's really important to identify our strengths as well and be aware of the things that are positive about us. But I also think it's helpful to be honest about those parts of us that we don't like, that we find difficult, that we sometimes feel ashamed of. And to welcome them, because sometimes I think they can be really helpful parts of ourselves. So for me, anger was part of my shadow. I felt really uncomfortable being angry. But actually being more comfortable with that angry part of myself helped me to be much more honest in my relationships with people and to take responsibility for things that I'd not taken responsibility for before. So, for example, if I saw injustice in a team that I was part of, um, I would get upset and cry. Whereas, actually, I was feeling angry about that injustice. And once I realized it was anger, I was able to actually speak out much more clearly. Does, does that make sense? So there's a sense in which acknowledging those areas of our lives that we don't feel as comfortable with can be a really powerful tool in us becoming more self-aware. I'm guessing there's times where um, we look at other people and compare or we feel uncomfortable with something that we've thought or said. Actually recognizing it and looking at it head on can be really helpful. It's difficult, but it's important. And David, we, we see this with David um, particularly um, when he has um, a, a situation where he gets into a, 
uh, a really unhealthy and um, immoral relationship with a woman called Bathsheba. And he is um, lounging around the palace and sees this woman bathing um, from a window and um, desires her. She's married to someone else. He basically engineers the situation and starts um, a relationship with her, um, sleeps with her, and then arranges for her husband to die in battle over um, several different incidents. So David, who's looked on as this man after God's own heart, who has all these incredible qualities, um, does something which is incredibly, um, incredibly wrong, causes terrible damage to this family, to the whole, um, to the whole community, really. And um, he's confronted by Nathan, um, the prophet. Um, this is in... Uh, oh, sorry, I'm just checking that. I've got the... Um, so 2 Samuel, um, chapters 11 and 12. Chapter 12, he's confronted by Nathan, the prophet, who um, tells a story which makes David see himself for who he is. Tells a story, um, quite a creative way of just making David look at his own wrongdoing. And what we see in David is he confronts that shadow side of himself. He doesn't try and evade it. He doesn't try and escape from it. He doesn't try and make excuses or um, condemn the prophet for speaking out. He immediately is just absolutely devastated by what he's done and um, writes um, the words that we now find in Psalm, or says, I don't know if he said them or wrote them, but we now find the words in Psalm 51, um, which is David's prayer of repentance. It's incredibly powerful words, um, but where David sees the worst of himself, confronts the worst of himself, and actually asks for God's help to change. And I find that incredibly encouraging, that even in that sort of worst um, that worst time of his life in terms of wrongdoing, he's able to confront those things and um, change, make those changes. So welcoming our shadow is really hard, but actually I think there's real power and fruit in it. The fourth thing I wanted to think about was the importance of walking with others. And there are two aspects to this. The first is having people that we trust. I think when we're, when we're learning to know ourselves more and we're growing in self-awareness, having people that we can be completely honest with is so important. If we're thinking about those aspects of ourselves that we find difficult, actually sharing those with somebody else, not necessarily declaring them to everybody, um, that's just not appropriate, but finding safe people, I think, is incredibly helpful for our growth. People we can talk to, be honest with, who won't just say what we want to hear, and there are some people that are always going to be encouraging and just go, oh, you're lovely, you're fine, don't worry. Actually, sometimes those aren't the best people in these situations. We need people who will be truthful, but will encourage us to be the best people we can be. It might be that you've got people like that already, but maybe that's something to think about. The other thing about work, walking with others is that I think sometimes we discover the, um, the truth about ourselves through our reactions to other people. And sometimes we can find ourselves walking with people who just really, really wind us up. 
Um, maybe you don't find that. <laughs> maybe it's just me. Um, but we can find ourselves in situations where we just find ourselves really irritated by somebody or somebody's actions or attitudes just really make us angry or um, frustrated or like we just want to smack them. Obviously, we wouldn't do that um, because um, we're far too nice for that. Um, but I think, I think God actually allows us sometimes to walk with people who will um, bring out the worst in us. Because that's how we learn about, about ourselves and our own responses and our own reactions. We spot our own um, tendency towards judging others um, and being, um, I don't know, intolerant or angry or frustrated through our engagement with other people. And that's the beauty of um, being part of a community. It's the beauty of church. It's the most frustrating thing about church that we're all together but it's also the richest thing that we're all together and we're all so different. Because inevitably there will be difficulties, there will be challenges, but we learn about ourselves in the midst of those. And how we, how we walk with others and how we learn to walk with others I think is incredibly helpful in terms of our um, self-awareness. David had um, trusted friends, um, Jonathan, who was a really unlikely friend to him, um, the son of his predecessor, King Saul. Um, incredibly close as friends, able to share at a really deep level. They loved each other like brothers. And we see that friendship as a, a really powerful and positive thing in David's life and in Jonathan's. With Nathan, the prophet, there's, there's a different kind of relationship, but David allows um, the prophet to kind of um, speak into his life and communicate God's wisdom and God's love. We need people who will give us honest feedback and help us to grow. I think one of the real flaws about um, society's understanding of sort of self-improvement is that it's seen as a very solitary thing, that you do this on your own for yourself, whereas the picture in scripture of, of growth is all about being in it together, which in some ways is much harder, but ultimately much more fruitful. Finally, I'm saying that, I do have a little bit more to say, so don't get too excited. It's a real treat for me because uh, often I'm, is that all right, Joe? Thank you. Often I'm uh, limited to 10 minutes when I'm speaking. So um, it's, it's a real treat to have a little bit longer. Do you want to hand those out? Yeah. Um, finally, I just wanted to think about the fact that um, we know in part, when we're thinking about self awareness, we don't fully know ourselves. We don't fully see ourselves. It's only God who sees us fully uh, and completely. And uh, just, asked, uh, just brought these little mirrors, um, which you're welcome to keep, by the way, if you'd like to. There's no pressure to. Um, because for me, it kind of illustrated that we, we only ever see part of who we are. So however, however far, far, far away um, you hold this, you won't, hopefully, probably, get your whole self in it. Um, and mostly, you'll, you'll just see part of who you are. And actually, you won't see the you that other people around you are seeing. Can I pinch one? Thank you. So these are just little tiny circular mirrors. And if, if, you, um, if you look in a mirror, I don't know if you've ever been in a shop and tried something on and they've got these all round mirrors. 
otherwise known as a nightmare. <laughs> um, especially if the lighting's really harsh. If you've ever been in one of those cubicles, really full, full round mirrors, harsh lighting. Oh, yes, anyway. Um, we won't talk about that. Um, but I don't know if you've ever caught sight of yourself and think, oh, I look really different from the back than I think I do. Um, but sometimes we just get glimpses of ourselves, either literally or in our own lives and our thinking, which maybe surprise us. And uh, it might be that, that there's times where we need to kind of have a, a look at ourselves from a different angle or a different viewpoint to think, oh, how does that person see me? How, does that, how do I look to those people? Not in a way of kind of managing and getting sort of obsessive about our, how we present ourselves, but just thinking, oh, I wonder, wonder how I come across to those people or that group of people. Um, most of my time, I'm, I'm a school chaplain, so most of my time is spent in school. So I didn't say good morning, because I'm so used to, if I say good morning, everyone, then it all comes back. <laughs> good morning. Good morning, everybody. Um, but you know, how, how I'm seen in, in primary by the very tiny um, three-year-olds and then how I'm seen by the sixth form and how I'm seen by other staff. It's quite interesting. I'll suddenly hear something from a parent that they've been told um, from a student and they've had these little snapshots of who I am via, via students. So that kind of feedback's really interesting. But the reality is we know in part, we only see part of ourselves. As we grow in self-awareness, hopefully we see more of ourselves. We see ourselves as God sees us. But God sees the whole of who we are, knows the whole of who we are, and still loves and accepts us, which is incredibly um, exciting and amazing and blows my mind. And we're told in uh, 1 Corinthians um, that actually what we see now is, is really just a shadow of what we will see and know. Um, in that amazing passage about love, um, St. Paul uh, writes, uh, For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. We see part of ourselves. We see aspects of God, but not the full picture. We're learning and growing. And actually, our growing in self-awareness is, is not so much a kind of personal project as a work of the Holy Spirit in us. And I'd really like to encourage you to think about these things, to think about um, embracing complexity listening to your emotions, welcoming those shadow parts of yourself. I'd like you to think about which trusted others you talk to and think about how you can grow in these areas. But most of all, I'd really encourage you, all of us, because I want to include myself in this, to be open to the Spirit, the Spirit's leading and guiding in these areas that as you feel the nudge of the spirit to think about attitudes or to think about how you responded in a situation or maybe to have a look at how your past might have shaped you and informed you, that you just feel able to take those steps little by little. My experience is that wholeness 
comes through that working with God and walking with God into the areas that he takes us. It might be some of these. For you, the journey might be completely different. But let's be open to go where God leads us and to learn more of ourselves and hopefully through that more of him and his love and grace. Just going to ask us to be quiet for a few minutes. Um, I think Joan's going to come and play and the um, band are going to lead us in a moment. But just a few moments of quiet. I'm going to leave that slide up for a moment. As we go into that moment of quiet, I'm just going to read um, the last verse of, or the last two verses of Psalm 139. And then I'll leave some space for quiet reflection. You might want to think about those areas there. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You're listening to a podcast from Oasis Church Bath. To find out more about us, visit our website at www.oasisbath.org.